This is Fostering Conversations with Utah Foster Care, where we have insightful conversations about parenting for bio, foster, adoptive, or blended families to better understand the experiences we all face as families. I'm Deborah Lindner with Utah Foster Care. Today we'll be discussing how to talk to your children about issues surrounding racial and ethnic diversity. That's a big issue. We've had a national conversation this year about Black Lives Matter, white privilege. All of it has been front and center. Our children see it, they hear it, and no doubt as parents, we're getting lots of questions from them about what it all means. Our discussion will feature two Salt Lake City foster parents, Amy and Michael Morris, but this is really a discussion for all parents. Our diversity specialist, Esmeralda Malili, will also join us. And of course, my co-host, Liz Rivera, Director of Education here at Utah Foster Care. Liz, first off, the first thing I wondered is, how early do children recognize racial and ethnic differences? The research that I've read uh, indicates it's actually very young, um, as young as 18 months to two years. And so most experts would suggest that we begin talking about it from the very beginning, just like we do the alphabet and color, colors of the rainbow. Um, we start talking about all the colors that people come in as well. That's a good way to think about it. In fact, um, I'm going to bring in two people who know a lot about diversity. That's that those are Amy and Michael Morris. They have a unique perspective. They themselves are a biracial couple. I was talking to Amy and she said, we just like to say, I'm white, daddy's black. In their roles as foster and adoptive parents, they've adopted seven children. They're all black or mixed race. And welcome Amy and Michael. And I was, I was intrigued by that, that you keep it very simple. Yes, um, these are children that we're talking about. And I just think if we can keep things as basic and as simple as possible, then we don't need to get into anything that becomes awkward. Um, children understand color. It's one of the first things we discuss, just like Liz said. And so I feel like um, if we can keep things as simple as possible, uh, then they will understand it better and it won't become a difficult thing to discuss. And I think we really like to speak to our children directly. We're the kind of people who use proper names for parts of the body that can be very shocking to people who know our children. But, um, but you know, we just tell it like it is. And they, I think, appreciate that. But for us, it's so critical to the honesty that is at the heart of our family and that we're trying to build into our relationship with our children always. Because more than anything, we need them to be able to trust us. Whether it's to trust us to come tell us that they had a bad day, or to trust us to come tell us that they don't understand why they are treated differently because of the color of their skin. Or as my then 14 year old did, came and said, how is it fair that Trayvon Martin could be shot because he was wearing a hoodie? And um, to have those kinds of conversations, we just have to be honest always. And I think sometimes it starts with the parents 
feeling comfortable talking about this? Absolutely. Um, they, our children pick up, every child picks up on people who feel awkward, people who want to avoid subjects, um, people who are excited about subjects. And I just think, um, so we have an example. We recently had a, a young foster son. He, was, he came to us at about 14 months and left us at about, well, just over two years old. Um, and he, he absolutely lives what you were saying about um, 18 months to two years, picking up on differences. He would quite often kind of grab or play with my husband's skin and could totally tell that there was a difference because he was white um, and his family are white. And, um, and he, could, he could tell, not that it was an issue at all. He was just comfortable because we're comfortable in our skin in this family. And, um, and there, obviously he's too young to really question it, but he definitely picked up on it. Now, if you're talking to your 12 month old or your 24 month old or even four year old, if you've started young, they will not find those conversations uncomfortable. Now, I don't know about anyone else, but um, even married to a black man with black children, um, I have found uh, this more full on discussion around race uncomfortable at times. Not uncomfortable, it's not a bad thing at all, but it's awkward to talk about often because you are concerned about offending people. You're concerned about saying the wrong thing that, and it will be misconstrued. Um, you, you want to include everyone. Like most people are, feel awkward about this, but I just have this goal in mind that we, this generation can change and talk to our young children so that this is a normal conversation. So that when, as they grow up, they do not feel uncomfortable talking about race or color. They do not feel uncomfortable being friends with people of different colors because they have had these discussions in their homes um, since birth, basically. Um, and there are all kinds of ways to do that um, without it being uncomfortable or, or fake. Now I can understand, um, so we're in Utah and, um, and it isn't particularly diverse compared to other, other, some other states, obviously. And so there will be many, many purely white families in Utah who will probably feel uncomfortable for some time talking to their children about it just in case they think they're doing it wrong or they don't feel like they're in a position to do it because they don't know enough about it. But surely we can all just talk about differences in people's appearance and cultures and, um, and turn those into positive conversations right from their children's birth and up. Well, let's bring into the conversation Esmeralda Malili. She's a Utah Foster Care's diversity specialist. Esmeralda, one of our marketing messages is we're looking for families as diverse as the children in foster care. And it may surprise our listeners to learn that one in four children in foster care in Utah is Latino. It's, it's one of those situations where, um, as Amy was talking earlier, that a lot of people assume that in Utah it's mostly Caucasian families and mostly Caucasian children. But there is quite a bit of diversity. And part of that diversity is that we have a large Latino community here in Utah. 
And so when we have a large Latino community, they get just affected just like everybody else. And so when that happens, we see a lot of children being removed. And when you think about it, one out of four children are Latino. So that means the Latino community is being affected quite extensively. Um, but the issue we're having is that we don't have as many Latino families who are foster parents. And like I mean, and Michael were speaking before, it's it's having a family that kind of understands what their children are going through. Not that um, a Caucasian family wouldn't be able to provide the love and care that these children need in a good home, but it's nice to be in a home that understands where you're coming from, um, shares some of the same experiences that you have and is able to explain your culture and your identity in a way that you feel comfortable about being able to have those conversations openly. I think Amy, um, you know, she's outnumbered. Uh, uh, all of her children and her husband are black. <laughs> and it has been wonderful to see how much she has learned and how open she's been to really learning about black cultures. But I think it's not just, um, and all of us, right, can have that kind of openness to learning about other cultures. We had a foster son who was um, white, Black and Native American. And he, he really connected with his Native American heritage and culture, um, even though he'd mostly grown up with his mom, who is white. But we were able, he and I were able to go to a powwow together and um, to help him, you know, still feel connected. And so I think even when we don't understand you know we're not a part of the culture of our children we or we don't share that same background with our children or the children in our care um, we can still learn more we can still reach out we can just talk to them to understand more about their culture and you know obviously it's not their responsibility to teach us about their culture but I think at least letting them know that what matters to them matters to us is something that is uh, fundamental to really all of us helping our children to deal with race or any difference for that matter. You know, personally, I think about it about names and I think about it about pronouns. Like what matters to others should matter to us. We treat people with respect and um, whether they're children or adults, right? And I think that as we model that and as we teach that to our children, then they in turn can model it um, with each other and, and with their friends and, and it can grow and the world will be better. Thank you. That reminds me of, I watched a documentary recently, um, it's called Black, White and, and US. And it's, a, it's really done mostly here in Salt Lake and it's, predominantly white families who've adopted black kids. And one thing he said, and one thing you said, Michael, really reminded me of that, is he said, believe your kids. So when your kids tell you what their experience is in the world, um, don't, don't try to justify it or, you know, pretend it didn't happen, but believe your kids. And I think that's a big piece of respect is honoring someone else's experience in the world, um, because it'll never be like our experience will be. Thank you. And on that point as well, one thing that we've learned as foster parents, no matter who the children are or what race they are, um, 
trying to understand their biological parents' um, experiences or culture as much as possible is vital to to recognize, especially if race is involved. So if there are um, if there of any if there are a person of color, um, as a white person, we it is hard to recognize our own privileges, but we are all um, born with different privileges. And so I would hope that we can um, not be hung up on this phrase white privilege and think that it is the only privilege that we talk about. Um, if we can all recognize um, what privileges we were born with and therefore uh, why our lives are easier than those not born with those privileges, then we can understand their trials, their difficulties um, better. We will never understand them completely because we, we will never live them, but we will be able to understand why they've struggled, what put them in a position where maybe their children um, had to be removed from them for a time, or even if we're not talking about foster parents, why their family doesn't have the same level of um, financial stability than than perhaps we do. Um, and so let's try not to get hung up on this phrase that has become kind of like a dirty word for a lot of people, white privilege. Um, we, until you, until you are very close to a person of color, um, you do not realize what a lack of white privilege means. Um, and you don't even start to think about it. And so these children that come come to you or um, or your children's friends of, of colour um, that you get to know, um, believe them, like Liz said, and then try and try and understand their life a little more. Um, they may not have as much money as your family has. They may not um, live in uh, such a stable home. They may not own property. Um, and that isn't necessarily just because of their parents' choices. Um, so much of racism, well, racism is um, the systems of power in play. And um, whether people want to uh, educate themselves to recognize those systems, um, they are there. And they have changed over the years, um, but we cannot ignore those systems. That, that is what needs to change. And that is what means that these families struggle so much more. Um, and that doesn't mean that there aren't people of color who have managed to um, lift themselves above poverty. That doesn't mean that there aren't um, happy, stable uh, mother-father relationships um, and families, but it does mean that it has been more of a struggle for them. And if we can recognize that um, for them, then it immediately empowers them. Um, your kids, I don't know if they've watched some of the protests that have gone on this year, including in Salt Lake City, right here in River City. Um, what, how have your discussions, what have they been like this year? So our children don't watch a lot of television. Um, you know, they do watch movies and, and shows on Netflix and things like that. Um, so they haven't had a lot of exposure to 
these recent protests. But uh, in the past, certainly, you know, the topic of race has come up and some of them have unfortunately experienced racism. You know, I, I think of our then maybe 10 year old, 10 or 11, uh, walking home from a voice lesson in, you know, an affluent part of the Salt Lake Valley and being told by someone driving by in a car to go back to Africa. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to, to have to kind of reconcile that experience, which is gratefully out of the norm for him um, here in Utah, but for him to know and to be aware that he lives in a world where even in Utah, where he has felt safe, that he can be subjected to these kinds of verbal assaults uh, because of the color of his skin is hard. But, you know, we, I would say all of our conversations they're very real. We just don't see any point in uh, sugarcoating anything. And part of that is because of the experiences our children have had. They know much more than in some ways we would maybe want them to know about the world. But at the same time, they are better off for seeing the world as it is in all of its complexities with the good and the bad. And so I don't remember exactly, I mean, 4th of July was very interesting. It, it was different than it had been in prior years. It was harder for us to um, embrace it with more, you know, I just think we were more aware of the complexity of the legacy of, of slavery and the United States and what was happening at the birth of the nation. Did we celebrate it? Yes. Did we celebrate it without any reference to Independence Day? No, we talked about it. But we, we talked about it, I think, in a way that was more holistic, that um, considered a little bit more of what it meant for the United States to come into existence and the things about it that we can and do celebrate. And then I can't remember, I have a horrible memory, so I can't remember exactly what the conversation was about, but I do remember even before that a, a dinner conversation where somehow, I think we were talking about refugees, and I think we touched on children who were separated from families at the border, and, um, but it's these kinds of things that we are talking about and thinking about as adults, and that our children, most children in the world today, I would say, are more capable of discussing and understanding than we are aware of. And they're going to go to school or they're going to watch, you know, TV or other things where they're going to be exposed to a complex adult, what we think of as adult ideas. And so Amy and I have just tried to have these conversations that seem like very adult conversations and they get very serious, um, but we have them with our entire family, you know, from the six-year-old to the 15-year-old all together. And yes, 
Some of it uh, sort of by design goes over the heads of some of the younger ones at times. Um, but the older ones are definitely able to, to participate. And, uh, and the younger ones get used to those conversations. They don't become right. scary, uncomfortable things. One thing that I was thinking is there has been a, um, a kind of change in my way that I speak to children about fairness. We would love to be able to teach all children that life is fair and as long as you work hard, you'll get a good job. As long as you are kind to people, they'll be kind back. Um, but we know that the world is not like that. Um, and I think if we teach our children from a young age that no matter how you act or how you treat people, um, it, life will not always treat you the same way, then we start to have a little more sympathy or empathy for, for people in different situations than us. If we focus on um, always trying to make things as equal as possible, um, then that can cause troubles. All our seven children that we have adopted are siblings, biological siblings. Uh, they are all black. They have had a similar up bringing up until coming into our home. However, their personalities are totally different. And some parents might think to treat them all exactly the same, parent in exactly the same way, and they'll turn out the same way. Well, um, we know that that doesn't work for different personalities. So um, we treat our children the best way that we know how, getting it wrong so much of the time. But we uh, treat them differently, knowing what struggles they have and what strengths they have. And I, and I just think if we can teach our children right from birth that uh, we try to make things as fair as possible for people um, and we try to be always be kind and loving but if we can recognize that life is harder for some people than others or um, learning to read is harder for some people than others or um, that some people don't have arms or legs or they um, have an accident that makes them look different um, they will if we can teach them that that will be their struggle in their life, and we don't need to struggle with that, but we struggle with different things, um, and make it clear that life is not fair for anybody, then it's a much easier idea um, as they grow up to recognize that um, a whole group of people, a whole race, um, have struggles that we might never understand. I've also found some information um, that talks about, you know, they have books that have, you know, feature, feature um, people with di of different races represented. And people think, oh, that is just for Black families or Native American families. It's for white families too, isn't it? It is for every family. And even even teaching about how families look different is important. We just have to start to help our children and ourselves, because sometimes we, each as adults, right, can struggle with this. But to remember that families don't all look the same. And, you know, many of us who have adopted have swapped stories with each other about the um, comments that we get from people that range from amusing to appalling um, that just express their surprise that our family is our family and uh, 
yes, no, it, every single family has something that they can learn and that they can teach their children just about difference and about appreciating the beauty and the variety of diversity. I was in a conversation with a person who just talked about, you know, flowers, right? And, and most of us would not want to live in a world where there were only one flower, one color, one variety. We enjoy the diversity of flowers and, um, and the beauty that that is. And for those of us who believe in uh, a God as a creator or, or a source of creation, you know, we see that as evidence of, of a higher power. And I think we can see the same in people. That there is beauty and value and meaning in our differences. Esmeralda, what have your children experienced? Because they are also biracial growing up in Utah. Um, it was interesting. As um, everybody was speaking, I was thinking of, of my own little boy. Um, I am Mexican and my husband is Samoan. And so um, coming up with, with two very um, different cultures, um, our son um, at a very young age was taught about different cultures and why his one set of grandparents looked different from his other set of grandparents and why one set of grandparents speak one language and the other ones speak another. Um, and he was just, he's a very inquisitive little boy. And one of the things that, he talked about is, you know, why does one person look different from our family or why does this person look different from us? And one of the things that I would talk to him about is if everybody looked the same, then how would you notice the difference between your mommy and somebody else's mommy? And that was the best way that he understood that the reason we all look different is because everybody needs to recognize who they belong to and who their family is. And for him, that made sense that the only way he would recognize his mommy is by his mommy being different from all the other mommies. And it, it kind of clicks with him that it's okay to be different and we're all meant to be different. We're not all meant to be the same. And it's important to embrace what makes us different. And so being in Utah, it's um, it was a lot easier when they were younger because we can provide that safe shelter and kind of not have them hear so many things um, that sometimes people can be mean about and kind of shelter them from people that may not be as open to culture and diversity. Um, but we've noticed it's been a little bit harder now that we have a teenager to kind of shelter her from things that people might say or do. And now that she's in high school and a 16 year old, we still make sure that we have those open conversations with her about how she feels in her own skin about, you know, why she has a certain skin color or you know why is that different from her friend's skin color and why it's important to embrace the two cultures that she belongs to and and she talks about that um she has we've been pretty lucky um that we live in a part of utah that is a little bit more diverse than maybe some other areas and so she has friends who are white she has friends who are asian um, and so she has a group of friends that bring in their own dynamic and own diversity to the picture. Um, but she always talks about how she feels most comfortable being with people that kind of recognize and accept her own diversity. Somebody that she can talk about how crazy it is to grow up in a Polynesian home or how crazy it is to grow up in a Mexican home with it being loud and lots of people and how important it is for her to be part of not just 
a small little family of one brother, but a bigger family, just because both Polynesians and Latinos are very big and very into family and how important that is for her that she's realizing that it's okay to be different and okay to be in your own skin and kind of being able to share those those thoughts and those feelings with others that may not understand her culture or may not understand where she comes from, but being comfortable enough in her own skin by the time she's 16 to be able to express how awesome it is to be part of a bigger family. As we're coming to the end of um, our conversation, we talked about starting very young, talking about uh, ethnicity and diversity. What if you're a parent that hasn't started that conversation and all of a sudden you have teenagers now? How do you begin that conversation? Um, as, as you mentioned, they don't watch TV, like, so they're not aware of some of the things going on in the, um, in the country. Um, how do you begin? I have an idea. So uh, you can go to almost any bookshop or uh, somewhere where you download movies or stream movies and you will find uh, more diverse movies and books if you're looking for them. You do need to search them out a little bit, but there are plenty of them. Uh, one thing that I did recently for our children, because I would like them to have positive role models that they can see themselves in, um, I have been searching out more history books about um, black inventors or um, or any people of color, uh, scientists or astronomers or just anything that I know my children will love to read um, just because it's a fascinating subject and giving them opportunities to see themselves in those people because we live in a world, um, well, we live in um, I guess a country, but there are plenty of other countries like it where um, it's very centered on white whiteness. And so we do have to seek it out. Um, and I'm hoping that that will get better over time. Uh, but recently I was searching for some books online and I found a wonderful book of um, inventors and scientists. And there was a review um, which just warmed my heart completely because you can go out and you will find books that are specifically black scientists or black inventors and they're wonderful because it's great to have them all together but this review um said this is the book that i have been waiting for my whole life i wanted my children to see that white inventors and black inventors and latino um inventors and um polynesian scientists were all in one world together and this book didn't hold back. It wasn't focused just on white people like lots of our history books are, unfortunately. Um, so one thing that I would say is um, what your children are, are interested in will have plenty of uh, people of colour in history who have helped that subject along, helped us learn about it, have educated us about it and I feel like if we can find something that they're interested in and normalize, not just talking about white people involved in that subject, um, then it just, you can immediately start conversations about, oh, who is this new person? I've never heard of him. Why would we not have heard of this person who created this? Um, and often it's because it was created by a person of color and it was never taught in schools like we learn about um, other inventors or scientists. 
And so we can start having those conversations. And the idea that we can provide role models to people, to children, that don't look like them, immediately give them a positive view of um, differences. Um, they immediately see, um, I don't know, they might look at the person who comes to wash their windows or to mow their lawn as um, someone who looks more like that incredible um, scientist that figured out, you know, something amazing and they'll be able to start seeing people as um, different from them, but immediately have a, a great outlook towards that person rather than thinking that a person with darker skin than you is more likely to be doing the things that we look down on or you know all of those biases that we are brought up with um, and unless we recognize them in ourselves we don't realize we have them um, so yeah definitely find positive role models and talk about them just make those conversations a daily event and i think that um starting to have conversations with our children that we haven't had before, but that we realize are important, is an opportunity for us to share our imperfection with our children. And to just say, oh man, I realized that I haven't been thinking enough about race and how I treat people based on race. Or we, I, I haven't been teaching you enough about race. Or I've realized that you know, I said some things to people that I feel really bad about. And uh, I just want to make sure that we know as a family that, that this isn't the, a good way to speak to people or to treat people. Um, so I just think there's this great opportunity to say, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Um, and, but we're learning together and we just keep learning together. I think that, um, right now is the perfect time because I think race hasn't been brought up before. And now that it is, um, families that haven't had this conversation or for one reason or another haven't had to face racial issues are now having these conversations with their children and having open dialogues with people around them and being more open to realize that not everybody has been treated fairly up until this point. And maybe it's the time to learn about others and learn about how we can improve ourselves. And maybe it's the time to realize that maybe I could be a little bit better about learning about not just my own culture, but maybe broaden my perspective and learn about others and sharing what we learn with those around us so other people can be more aware of maybe things that we are not aware of. Because if you live in a small community and in that community, there's only people that look like you, you're not having these conversations. So maybe being open um, to realize that maybe you need to broaden your perspective and learn more about others in our community that we may have not known about before. And I feel like if you are not teaching your children, the world will teach them in perhaps mm -hmm. a way that is not so positive. Um, right. So, yeah. we so true. Them, they learn it somewhere else. So true. Um, one thing I just recently thought about, I mean, I, I guess I kind of knew it, but it's the 100th anniversary of women getting the vote in this country. Well, black women did not get the vote at the same time. And they marched with the suffragettes, but they marched at the end of the line. I think that's fascinating. And 
there's a lot, a lot, uh, a lot to know about that. Liz, I'm just yeah, I'm just going to add in there that one of the reasons that white women got the vote was to dilute the vote of black men. So you know, there's it, these issues are incredibly complex. So while we're grateful that women got the white women got the vote, there was a reason behind it actually that wasn't uh, positive for everybody. Right. Well, I think we need to have the discussion part two about diversity, and um, I'm sure we will. But first of all, we want to thank Amy and Michael Morris, foster parents in, uh, I'll say, South Jordan, uh, the Salt Lake area, uh, Esmeralda Malili, our diversity specialist, and my co-host, Liz Rivera, uh, Director of Education at Utah Foster Care. Remember, throughout childhood, kids and teens are developing a sense of self and figuring out who they are compared to others around them. So when they ask questions, it's a way to help them better understand our diverse world and where they fit in. And a reminder that as a parent, you don't have to wait until your child asks a question to begin talking about differences. That's something we've learned from Michael Amy and Esmeralda tonight. So the more opportunities you provide for them to openly discuss and respect diversity, the less often you're going to find yourself as a parent on the spot. This has been Fostering Conversations with Utah Foster Care. Thank you for joining us. For more information, go to utahfostercare.org. We'll see you next time.